Lockdown Podcast. We're going to be talking about Andor Episode 8. And I feel like I say this every week, but like the show's writing and tension building is insane. And it keeps building up from episode to episode. And it's it's good stuff. So I can't wait to dive into it more. Have an awesome group of people. And yeah, we'll be talking Andor right here on the high ground. Hello and welcome, my uh, beautiful guests. How are you guys doing? Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm excited to jump in here. We have, you know, some some new faces here. And uh, so we want everyone to kind of get to know everyone. So we're going to start with, uh, I'm going to go around, have you introduce yourself, where we can find your awesome content. And, um, you know, I asked this question recently, but I liked it. So I'm going to ask it again. Um, you are going to go out and, and party. You're going to go get, get drunk. You're going to have a great weekend or whatever. Who in Star Wars are you hanging out with? Who's your drinking buddy? Who's, who's going out there with you? All right, so we'll uh, we'll kind of go around. We'll start with uh, with Chris first. Uh, hey, everybody, uh, I'm Chris. Uh, I have three podcasts now: uh, Dark Side Divas, which uh, is a Star Wars podcast. I do with my bestie Stephanie, a Marvelous Divas. Uh, also, do with my bestie Stephanie. It's a Marvel podcast, and on both those podcasts, we do the uh, we're doing the chronological order of all of visual media for both of those IPs. And then <laughs> that was funny. Um, and then I have a, just launched a third podcast for Light and Dice, which is a tabletop role playing Star Wars game podcast, which has been super fun to do. Uh, and yeah. Um, and I would party with Qui Gon Jinn because, low hippie, Jedi, totally down with that. All right. No, I can see that. That's a, mm-hmm. that's a great mm-hmm. choice. I like it. Mm-hmm. And uh, how about you, Aaron? Oh, me? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I was going to say, I feel like with Qui-Gon, you'd probably be doing something else as opposed to drinking. Maybe a yeah, bit of a... <laughs> the smoking would be a lot, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Cross-fade action. Uh, but but yeah, uh, Aaron, how about you? Where uh, Who are you? Where can we find your content? And uh, uh, who are you partying with? <laughs> Hi, I'm Aaron. Uh, you can find me over at TikTok on thought slash underscore space, which saying it out loud now, I realize how semi-inappropriate that name is <laughs> but it is just a play on word of queen's album hot space uh and i never changed it so um and you can also find me on instagram at gin.andors um mostly i'm active on both of them but tiktok seems to be where my main central audience is i do mostly meme joke videos things like that have it just have a fun time really also chris big fan of dark side tivas oh i love you. seeing those videos on my for you page every single day so <laughs> <laughs> yeah i love it uh and then we also have oh uh who, who are you partying with oh yeah um i don't know why Jin so first came to mind i feel like she'd be a really great drinking buddy but also like she'd start off the night pretty strong and then you know just dissolve into chaos as we go along <laughs> she seems like that kind of person <laughs> I can definitely see that. Um, if if there's a bar fight breaking out, I think she's someone that you'll want to have in your corner. So, no, I, I, I definitely approve. Um, I'd be holding it back. Yeah. <laughs> I would stand behind her. I'd be like all the girls in the bathroom, all the drunk girls. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. And last but not least, we have uh, Emily. 
Hi, um, I'm your weird aunt Emily on TikTok and uh, E.K. Anderson on Twitter, E.K. underscore Anderson on Twitter. Um, I'm a writer uh, and I also like make jewelry and stuff. Um, and I'm the sober sister at any of it. I actually can't have alcohol. Um, but I feel like Bodhi Rook and I would have a good time over a cup of coffee. Like we'd just be sitting there in the corner at the party observing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, sometimes uh, it's fun to watch other people be stupid. Uh, that's, that's cool. You know, drag them Emily, ma- Emily makes the best stuff, y'all. You really should check her stuff out. It's amazing. Thank you. And, and has always been awesome in the comment sections of everything and insightful. So I was pretty adamant that that uh, that she she join us. Um, thank you for 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 trusting me. Yeah. <laughs> um. You know, shout out uh, to Dad in the Force. That's a pep party all night with Bix. Shout out to this fantastic panel. Um, yeah, I, uh, I, I, I love, I love Bix. Um, I can't party with Bix. I think my wife would get mad at me. So I'm gonna have to look elsewhere. Um, but you know what? I'm gonna party with Laura Santeca. Um, because Ooh. you know that guy's got stories. You know what I mean? Like I feel like I feel like you're gonna hear some stuff. It's gonna change your life. Um, you'll probably end up depressed, but like it, it'd be cathartic in a way. You know, that's that's probably got some, like deep cut Luke stories or something like that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's seen Luke do things that he shouldn't have seen. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and you know, so before we we jump into um you know talking andor i have a, a question right? because we actually had another drop you know we had tales of the jedi drop i was curious if you guys jumped into that already and if so um have you guys all finished it yes i have yeah. <laughs> no i i needed to oh, yeah. i needed uh, after this andor episode i needed to be cleansed i needed happiness and joy I got that in the first episode and it was, it's amazing. Um, a lot of star Wars today, a lot of amazing star Wars today, but, uh, totally different than Andor. <laughs> uh, it's the exact opposite. The exact Andor, opposite. Yeah. What it is. Uh, yeah, I'm and, and for the weekend. Like I just, okay. I, I'm trauma now and cleanse later. <laughs> well, it was still trauma. <laughs> it's it's still Star Wars. <laughs> True. Yeah, they're not all as lighthearted as the the first episode. Um, so you know, without any spoilers, um, what do you guys just think um, overall? I really enjoyed it. To be honest, it was very. It was different from maybe what I'd been imagining it to be, what it was going to be, but it was still really interesting. I found myself being drawn more to like the Count Dooku episodes. The Usoka episodes were, were great and I loved those. And yes, there were some sad moments in those, but like the Count, the stuff with Dooku I thought was really, really interesting. And I really liked how that really expanded upon his character more. Nice. Yeah, uh, just hearing the same voice actors from Clone Wars getting another shot to do those characters again just warmed my heart and uh, the animation glow up even from season seven Clone Wars to, to to Tales of the Jedi is just phenomenal and amazing. Yeah. Uh, and in the panel, Dave Filoni was talking about how cool it was to see the new technology that, um, you know, Jen Corbett has been using in the Bad Batch and then being jealous and like, 
I'm going to use that too. And so he, he did. <laughs> um, and so happy he got to play around in the sandbox again. Hopefully this will lead to more. Um, but yeah, I also found the Count Dooku stuff to be a lot more, more interesting. Uh, also, shout out to uh, Conspiracy Cantina, uh, stopping by and dropping some love. Um, handsome and beautiful panel this episode. I certainly appreciate it. Thank you, uh, Jedi Master DePaul. Uh, and Chill in the Basement showed up as well. Hello there. Um, but yeah, let's go ahead and jump into this episode of Andor. So, episode eight. Just over, overall, you know, we're, we're not going um, too spoilery. We'll, we'll break it down after. But, you know, where do you kind of rate this episode in the grand scheme of, of Andor? And, um, and, yeah, just your general thoughts. Uh, where are you guys at with it? I feel I, like it was a really hard episode to watch. Yeah. It was just um, there wasn't a lot of, like, catharsis or, like, hopeful feeling. It was very, very dark. And for me, like, I, I left it just feeling lost, which for me makes it harder to rank within all of Andor because you know it's part of this larger arc. So the kind of the release schedule they're doing with it is is a little bit difficult. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely feel that. Uh, how, how do you guys feel? I didn't like it. Um, I and I want to cl- kind of clarify uh, wh- why, but I think objectively. Cinematography was excellent. The script was excellent. The acting was on point. Everything was fantastic from that, from the technical side. But I came out of it feeling very angry and very hopeless and traumatized more so than a Star Wars would normally traumatize me. I felt like I was watching a Darren Aronofsky version of Star Wars almost. Um, it was. It leaned real hard into the sci-fi. It completely abandoned fantasy. Um, and I, I hate the weekly release schedule because I really want to see that light at the end of the tunnel. Now I'm ready for it, but uh, I, it, it was so, it was so dark and and bleak for me. I don't see the show getting there at this point. I know it will. It's supposed to, right? Theoretically, but it was just so dark. I don't, I don't know. I, I, I am now wondering if I should just wait for the all of Andor just to finish and then get back into it at this point. Okay. That's uh I, I definitely get that because this was this episode's real. Like I mean mm-hmm. in this they've they've been doing uh, stuff that is happening in our real world um that is uncomfortable <laughs> to to think about and deal with. Um I have been appreciating the way it's been covering it. But uh, yeah, uh, what did you think, Aaron? I really enjoyed the episode. I mean, like, I I thought it was, the way it was like so dystopian almost, I, I feel kind of like an emotionless monster now because I could objectively see that the things that we were seeing, like in the prison and, you know, all that, you know, um, was, I could objectively understand why it was really difficult for someone to watch. But for me, I just... I was like, yes, this is very bad, but I still want to see more. Like, not like in a, I like seeing people suffer kind of way, just a, it was still just a very good episode. And I mean, I just literally watched the newest episode of The Handmaid's Tale, <laughs> season five earlier. So, <laughs> you know, like I'm very used to like, 
So another uplifting show is what you're saying is what you just saw. So <laughs> it's a lighthearted romp, you know. Lighthearted, yeah, lighthearted romp, yeah. petri dish shallow. It's great. You're folding clothes, you turn on handmaid's Hill, you know. Um no, that's 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 interesting. All right, well let's let's kind of uh, beginning of the episode, we start s- straight away with um uh, we jump straight into, you know, Andor kind of starting to get processed and, and being sent off to prison. Um, what with that storyline with Andor in in the prison? I'm curious, you know, what jumps out at you guys? Um, also, the prison looked a lot like um, Marvel's The Raft, and so that that made me that made me chuckle a little bit. Um, but uh, and then also seeing the guards like. Like I recognize those snowboarding boots that they're wearing, um, but uh, like I, those were the old school fifty one fifty from back in the day when you had to rent your boots, you know. Um, but yeah, I mean it was it was a difficult storyline. But yeah, how did you feel about Andor in prison? Uh, the way the prison was set up, um, and Andy Circus popping up. I love him. I was shocked. I did kind of gasp very loudly <laughs> I wasn't expecting that at all I didn't recognize him at first because I think I've only ever seen him as like creatures yeah. so when I saw his name pop up I was like wait who was that <laughs> yeah he's still he's still serving that dirty hot realness though in the prison um, you know the prison do you remember how in Solo the Millennium Falcon looked all pristine and clean and and a much lighter I mm-hmm. felt like the prison reminded me of the inside of the Death Star except it was bleach white and clear as opposed to it being like silver and gray, like the Death Star was. And so I love, I love the set design a lot. Um, but then like the prison itself, it was a, it was a character almost. It was his own character. Um, and all that, the, the dark Android voice that they had and all the lighting and the systems in place, it was, uh, it was very brutal. And I think it, right off the top, when Cassian is being processed into the prison, they tell him, this is the, this is the nice prison. This is cleaner than what you've probably seen before. We're, we're not going to have to brutalize you very much, which is obviously a lie. Um, and I think we're supposed to really be contrasting that to Wobani, which is where Jin is at the start of Rogue One. Wobani is dirty. It has traditional doors and locks. There are women there. Um, there are disabled people there, which you, I think is more in... Um, Rebel Rising, you see more of that, where people are like becoming unfit to work from the work, and there's aliens. This prison that we see only has able-bodied young men, mostly young men, and I, I think it's very it, it's very strange to be like walking into a prison as someone who literally didn't do anything to be there and be told like, "Look at our wonderful, beautiful, nice prison. Isn't this impressive?" But then to also have this contrasted with where the, the people who can't work are going, or the people who can do lesser work are going. Um, that is the main thing I took away when we first saw the prison. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, man, it it was just, it was fascinating the way that it was set up and how they pit the prisoners against each other. When in reality, you know, Andrew did nothing, nothing wrong. Um, but now he's like, has to compete so that he can get food with flavor. You know, and you're like, uh, it, it was it was it was painful to watch because these people, 
And as they stated, all of a sudden, all of their sentences doubled, you know, um, based off of this, you know, farce of a, of a decree. Uh, and it just, it just hurt because this is, you know, a, a real issue with, you know, prison is just a new way to have slave labor that you don't have, you know? Um, and that's exactly what these people are being exploited by. I think they're, they're, this is them ramping up the effort to create the Death Star and they just need labor. And this is the only way that they know how to, um, how to do it. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, any, any, any further thoughts on it? I was kind of wondering, like, what is it? Are they actually building throughout the entire episode? I was like, are they building? I, I just assumed it was like a war tech or something like that. But if it is confirmed to be the Death Star, that makes me incredibly sad. That <laughs> it's like, because it's like Cassian went to prison and built these things to build the Death Star, and that is the thing that unfortunately inevitably ends his life. That's kind of a that is just a real. It's just a real bummer to be honest. <laughs> It's a, it would be such a Star Wars scene, right? You build the thing that ends up killing you ultimately. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, looking at you, Obi Wan. Um. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but I think, like what what Chris said about the production design, it just made me think like this whole pristine prison and the contrast with how the people are being treated. It, you know, like brutal things are happening here with the. the weird electric floor and stuff like that and it's happening in this really nice sanitized clean space and the fact that they don't have locks on the doors but they don't need them because the floor's electrified or whatever it is and that is very it is it is yeah it's like a brutalism on like a new level and it, it is kind of a if you think about it too much it gets quite upsetting i think yeah it, but i mean this this is just another element of the empire controlling people, you know, yeah. you have people at the table who are competing with each other, but then you have Andy circus who is a fellow prisoner, but given a little taste of power, I guess. And now he's also become a jailer, you know, which is fascinating but something that's been you know well studied as mm. something that happens you mm. give him a clipboard and all of a sudden it's like i'm better than you you've got to listen to me now any any chance to get power i think that's a it very it, it happens a lot in real life as well so i think it's really interesting definitely adds another dynamic to them putting that in the show with andy Serkis's character yeah and i and again i just go, go ahead they they took you know, I'll, he says at the beginning, you won't see the guards again. And you also see as Castian is going through the intake process, they're having a staffing issue, which makes me think that this is such a brutal place from the guards point of view that people who think they can just come in and do this job, they can't stomach it and they leave. And that is par- possibly part of the reason that you have the inmates running the system. I mean, obviously it's also part of like, you know, the soft power and you know, prison labor and, and how we make that work, you know, here in the real world. But there are Imperials who don't realize what they're working for until it's right in their face. I'm sure the Empire is totally cool with people quitting their jobs, though, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, <totally. laughs> great, great, uh, great uh, severance packages all around, you know. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> By severance, they mean your head. Um, your head. You're probably going to go to prison. Yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, this is a station called the F Around and Find Out Prison. Um, no kidding. Uh, yeah. I mean, listen, they're playing the floor is, is hot lava uh, on hard mode, you know, and it's, yeah, it's, it's just, just wild. Um, but I like how you, how you said that, like the, empire forces you into these positions um because we also got dedra's storyline where in the last episode i I don't know about y'all but i was kind of like rooting for her when she stood up to that you know to the dude and she basically smacked him down and i was like yeah get him you know like girl boss gatekeep um and in this episode i was like going down a path i cannot follow (laughs) it's hard because this show makes me sympathize with people i know are fascist and horrible like or they're working for something horrible but still like that human element that this show really demonstrates every episode makes me empathize with them sometimes and dedra is a key person like i i love the scene where she is trying to present her findings to yularen and he's just like you know has his head buried in the data pad reading something else and she's struggling to present all this stuff with him. And I have been, I myself have been in that position a million times where I'm trying to present something to whomever I happen to be working for. The leadership of of the company is distracted going, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh. And then they ask a question totally unrelated to what I'm presenting or something like that. So that kind of stuff just hits me hard. Uh, But yeah, she's a bad guy. She's looking for the hero of the story uh, to kill him ultimately. So I'm not supposed to be cheering for her, but I am. Mm-hmm. I think that's really just a testament to how brilliantly crafted the writing is, because it mm-hmm. will make you even even though you have like these awful people, like people like Cyril and Dedra and the entire Empire, you know, you you can still <coughs> empathize with them on some level. It's kind of like Cersei Lannister in Game of Thrones. You kind of love to hate her because mm-hmm. she's so you know minus the last two seasons, but she's kind of like so you know a very compelling like written very compelling i can't even talk <laughs> it's very very good writing is what i'm trying to say <laughs> but i think that's a really good thing about andor like just a testament to how tight the writing is yeah um you know, i i there is one thing though that that did kill me and it's i, I what the hell is up with his tie? <laughs> it just it just shoots out of his neck. What what is that? There's something seventies about it. What's what's happening here? You know, I was literally thinking about this earlier. Like it really just amused me. Like how Star Wars kind of what's the word? How do I describe it? Like Star Wars eyes is just the most mundane stuff, <laughs> and like things that you see in the real world. <laughs> like like that is that is probably what a tie would look like if it well it is what a tie looks like in Star Wars and I think that is the funniest thing ever <laughs> that's that is hilarious to me I but just don't understand the mechanics of how it works what is it, it does doing? look like you could pull it out like a like a toilet paper roll almost <laughs> it's functional you get something on it you just like pull it down to the next mm-hmm. section uh, yeah I can I can see it's like a it's like a sideways belt I, I don't I don't know man it's a, this is the, the Bureau the, of Standards this is the Bureau of Standards <laughs> <laughs> where are the standards i mean the thing the thing is that and he's hint, he's been made fun of for this the whole show this is on purpose this is a custom tailored mm-hmm. suit and the dude looks in the mirror and is like turtleneck uh tie with no top v-neck suit sure let's go for it uh i don't know 
I mean, he's probably straight. <laughs> You're not wrong. I mean, yeah, no, no, no one's no one's dressing him for no. That's, that's for damn sure. I mean, even his own mom was like, "What are you wearing?" <laughs> I think these are all little clues, though, that like he may end up defecting. Like right now, what he wants more than anything is is justice for his own self. Um, but he also like the fact that he tailors his clothes and his mom calls him on like wanting to stand out. Those are tiny little acts of rebellion. But I think him going to Dedra and and basically getting you know laid flat on on his ass by her, it's that's going to affect him when he goes back to his little cubicle with his stupid tie. <laughs> I hate it so much. I would be better. It would be so much better. Um. Okay, and. Uh, so we also have, you know, kind of the, what's happening in these ISB meetings. Yeah. Part of it feels like in this episode, everyone is in some form of prison. Um, throughout, and I feel like that's that's kind of this this theme where everyone is trapped in the situation. I'm, I'm curious, you know, I, especially the way that we keep intercutting between Cassian in prison and Mon Mothma at this party of elites who live this exact opposite lifestyle. Um, yeah. I mean, uh, <laughs> same Pat's like, is, is, is there something wrong with me? I like that outfit. <laughs> uh, I mean, I guess art's subjective, cosplay. right? So <laughs> um, no, you're right though, Choco. It, it, everyone is in their own prison in a way, even Luthen and saw when that whole conversation and saw is stuck in, is still stuck in being angry at so many different people. He can't move beyond uh, his emotional prison of hating everybody, but his group essentially. So that, that really gels with me. Um, my Mothma is in danger. I am uh, definitely afraid of her, uh, of her situation the most for some reason, even though Andor is like he's more da- technically more in danger. Her situation is so brutal. And that story about her and her and her partner and how they got together, essentially arranged marriage, um, that broke my heart. And so mm-hmm. she's her marriage is a prison, her world is a prison. Uh she goes to the Senate every day, nobody's there to l- hear her speak and she can't get anything done. It's that's a that's terrible. And I look at the the child who is clearly a, a pawn in the view of the father. Like they, he has her aligned with him, but there's something going on between her and that kid that makes me very nervous, both for the kid and Mon Mothma. Um, that is a very influenceable child who is not getting the attention that she needs at home. And all it takes is one person to give her the attention that she wants. And that that's a bomb in Mon Mothma's household, but she doesn't get a cookie. She does sneak off. I don't know if anyone else saw this, but there was a green little cookie. It looks just like the cookie cookies that Grogu has in the Mandalorian. Oh, so I did, got a cookie. I did not see that, but uh, I'll, I'll have to check that out again. Um, so part of their uh, Chandrillan custom is that that drink that they had, where it's it's a live worm that you, you drop in and it like dissolves, and she's. She said, I've lost my taste for it. Um, did anyone else? Uh, I, I read that as these people live these opulent lives that like 
it's dissolving a live creature is part of their pastime. And, you know, I, I maybe I'm, I'm this, this might be a big reach, but I felt it was like symbolic of no longer wanting to that oppressive hand, you know, like she's, she's kind of moved beyond uh, the, her own personal Shandrillan customs and is now a person of the galaxy trying to look out for everyone um, regardless of that, their level of power or size or species or whatever. That's kind of how I read it. Also, it was disgusting. But <laughs> <laughs> well, no, well, I, 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 Venus was it's disgusting. The, uh, Tay says that's the point. And I think that links right back to the, the opulence of it. Like the point of this disgusting tradition is that we can do it because we have the money to do it. It doesn't matter how gross it is. We're going to do it because it's money. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I read the same, I got the, I had the same takeaway, but I also thought, you know, she's, she has to be like alert at all times. The last thing she's going to do is drink anything. Probably. Mm-hmm. That's, That's what I thought. I was going to say like a choker that is a much more eloquent viewpoint of it i literally was just like well she's probably not drinking it because she doesn't want to get drunk at this party she's got stuff to do you know the next day waking up at 9 a.m <laughs> that's what i was thinking yeah. or poisoned and hauled yeah. off and hauled off to, uh, to the isb office or something terrible like that yeah yeah who's pouring those drinks actually probably some like minimum wage <laughs> minimum wage <laughs> or a droid it could be a droid, could be a droid. Could be a he's not even get paid anything so that's worse <laughs> <laughs> uh but yeah the, the party was interesting though because there was it, it was it was fascinating because they were like again you know i know people say star wars isn't political or or whatever and i'm like what, what have you been what are you talking about there's no politics star in star wars. wars none whatsoever that's walls in the name like, <laughs> <laughs> Where have you been? <laughs> Nearly 50 years now. <laughs> uh, but th- there's two really big things that jumped out at me. The first one being they talked more about Palpatine's speeches and the way he talked than they highlighted that over the actual policies and laws and things that he's put into place. Um, so... Uh, and then, and then a consequence of that is, you know, when we have this this big action, the board decree, uh, one of the wealthy people says, "Well, if you're not doing anything wrong, then what is there to worry about?" You know, and, and she fires back with, "I'm worried about his definition of wrong," mm-hmm. uh, which is which is beautiful. But I'm curious on how you guys feel about those kind of two two statements or two ideas. I mean, it's a reflection of what we argue about every day in our politics, right? You know, I hear that. I hear that all the time. You know, well, if you have nothing to hide, then why would you be afraid of, you know, this police action or this law, you know, et cetera. And yeah, the devil's in the details. It always has been, um, uh, you know, throughout politics and also throughout other things as well. And it's interesting that like, I never, I, I guess it's true. I never thought of Palpatine as a great orator, but he is. And obviously a master manipulator. And so their view of him as dad of the galaxy, um, he's going to protect you. He's going to save you. He's going to maintain order, but he's going to oppress a shit ton of people. I'm sorry, a, a lot of people uh, in, to do that. And like, they don't care how he does it because they think that they're immune to that. They're of a high elite class. And so that's such a, 
such a great uh, metaphor. And I loved, I loved Mon Mothma's comeback to that was perfect. Um, and I also loved the line earlier in that scene where the guy's like, yo, you're always so sweet when you need the votes. And it's like, of course she's going to be nice to you when she needs something from you. That's how politics works. <laughs> yeah. Uh, how about you guys? I just keep thinking about Perrin's line where he says something like, my wife is trying to save the empire from the emperor. Mm. Like, it, like It's not clicking at all for him in his head that that's an issue. Like the empire and the emperor are the same thing to him. And probably for a lot of wealthy elite people in the galaxy. That's the thing. Like he's blind to it. Like a lot of those people at the pi are, they just don't care because it's like, oh well, all the bad stuff's happening over here. It's not going to affect me. I'm just going to drink my drink with the live worm in it because I can, and I'm not in a prison, and you are. And I think, like, like Chris said, like Palpatine's just a, ma a master manipulator. He's it's so far gone at this point, or nearly, well, nearly to that point. Obviously, rebellions are rising up, but he's got a very strong grip on the galaxy to the point where people just don't even. They're like, yeah, whatever. This is just what it is now, I guess. Yeah. Speaking of bad outfits, I can't get past parents' uh, hair. No. I, I, I just, uh, uh, he's such a, I've never hated a character so quickly <laughs> as, as Perrin. And they're doing such a good job with him. But, and I know that's the purpose, but man, the, the hair, the costume, everything. I just, there's nothing about him I like. I just want to throw him off the balcony. Yeah. Yeah. There's really no other option. Yeah, like that scene where they're, you know, where they're talking about how they should admire the view more. And I'm thinking that the last thing Mon Mothma wants to do is stare out, stare out to this Coruscant, which is dark, bleak place. And it's literally her battlefield. And I was imagining her just like pushing Perrin through the glass and like letting him fall. Yes. <laughs> Might as well. Oh, I'm this still waiting. This is Coruscant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I would I would pay to see that edit. Uh, please, please, someone do that. He is the biggest tool of all time, and and you, you kind of love him for it, or love how much you hate him for it. Um, I, I daydream of punching him in the sternum. Um, just you know, just it, it would just it would just feel really nice on my knuckles. That's that's all. <laughs> I want them to make uh, Perrin pinatas. <laughs> you know, so I can take him to my kid, nephew's birthday parties and such. Be like, beat him up for me. I'll take pictures. <laughs> Tell me, how does it feel? <laughs> I think like one of the, the one of my favorite like memes I saw about it was the whole like parent. You just know that parent had nothing to do with decorating that apartment. That was all Mon. There's no <laughs> way that this complete idiot who's no respect for his wife turning their daughter against her. That's at least that's how I see it. He had nothing to do with any of that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I wish he fell off that balcony. Uh, <laughs> Maybe uh, that's coming. Maybe that's going to happen. I hope so. Great. I hope it is. <laughs> you know, it's it's it's. And I I want to see a situation where he gets arrested for something Mon Mothma does, and then she just kind of smiles. <laughs> oh, that would be amazing. <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs> Um, also, real quick, I also wanted to mention um, they had the, the weird uh, shower scene at the prison where it just kind of missed it. And I was like, listen, your undercarriage needs a lot more, needs some more elbow grease than just that, you know? 
like I, I felt like they just brought him in there and like spritzed some Febreze uh, on him, and that ain't that ain't enough. Like unless you're in middle school and that's Axe body spray, um, <laughs> you know, it's it's not a substitute. It just it doesn't work like that. Is it some kind of tack? Like maybe it's like Star Wars shower mist. <laughs> it's it's Bacta mist, right? It, 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 yeah. it like cl- cleanses you uh, all over. You know, um, I actually hated that scene the most. Um, it yeah. gave me uh, some really dark, dark prison camp vibes. Um, I won't say specifically which um, one on this show, but I, I really, I hated that scene a lot. Um, it was effective in what it was trying to do, um, but that that was a t- terrible scene. That was, I, I hated it. Fully agree. I think, I think the purpose of it was. To, for me, I, you could just feel kind of like the shame and the humiliation yeah. that mm-hmm. all these men were feeling and like how that is what, you know, the Empire are trying to do to these prisoners. It's like, we want you to work, but we're also going to, you know, point and laugh at you and make you feel small while doing it. Like, yeah, that scene was yeah. probably the most reaction. I, the whole episode was very difficult, but like that scene was like the most... I got like a gut reaction out of it was it was really uncomfortable. I mean, they they weren't men at at that point. They're they're cattle. Yeah, they're Mm -hmm. they're 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 bodies. You know. Um, but all right, all right. Moving on from there, we'll we'll jump back over to uh to Ferrix, uh, which is where we we get my my beautiful Bix uh, back in the mix. Um, (laughs) Was not intending that to rhyme, but I'm happy it did. Uh, how do you guys feel about um, where we ended up with the the Ferrix storyline? Because we had, you know, them checking on, um, you know, on, on Cassian's mom. We had uh, some, you know, ramifications of this Imperial garrison setting up in, in the hotel. Um, yeah, how did this portion of it hit you guys? There was no vetch, so I'm mad about that in general. <laughs> Like, True. you can't give us this beautiful Eurotal and then never show us the man again. It's not okay. So, no Vetch update. I'm I'm upset. <laughs> uh, you know who I need to see again as well? The person who was in the first two episodes with, like, the weird clown face who was just, like, hopping around. And, oh, like, yeah. There's a guy in the background, and he he, he stole several scenes where I'm just like, what's th- What's that dude? Like, what's his deal? And I need, is it the I need guy to see like him the, again. Is it the guy with like the the eye, the black eyes that you kind of just yes. on the side of his? I think because I think Josh from Mesa Windy made a video about him, and I had it in my favorites because I thought it was so funny. <laughs> I love. No, I don't know. If if you watch the show Community, he looks like uh, he looks like their mascot, the humans. <laughs> oh gosh. And I don't know. I just I miss him. I miss him so much. Um, uh, uh, I feel like his show's undefeated with weird looking like glubshitos in the background. No like, kidding. What are you gonna say, Chris? <laughs> I know. I was gonna say. I, uh, I I'm glad. I was worried that we were gonna be done with Ferrix a while ago. So I'm glad they're going back to it. I'm glad they're like looping in all those characters. Um, Bix is in so much danger. I am so scared for her at this point. Um, and I don't know. I, I literally don't know how it's going to go at this at, at this stage of the story. But um, does it feel like I, I don't know? Does it feel like to y'all? Because they just introduced a ton more characters in the prisons in the prison stuff. Now we we have the characters in Ferrex. We have the characters in Coruscant. There's a lot of characters to keep track of. Like, how are they going to wrap? Like, how are they going to wrap everything up at this point? I don't. 
the cast is so huge. I think this is one of the largest Star Wars casts ever. Yeah, it has to be. They might be saving <laughs> some stuff for season two, maybe. I don't know. I, I hope they don't all get killed off because that, that would be well, that would suck. Things are gonna start hitting the fan, you know. I mean, um, we at least got um, Melshi was introduced mm-hmm. in the prison scene, yes. um, so that was that was cool. Melshi makes it all the way to the end of of Rogue One. Um, Rip Melshi. Uh, so Yay. we know. That's a partner in crime that Ando's going to have and likely escape with. So I guess that's one of them accounted for. <laughs> but yeah. but you're right. There's there's a lot of people wandering around, and I'm really worried for uh, uh, for his for his mom. She's she's just she's gone rogue. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I rebels on Ferrix, or is this like an older woman who is just like she is so far gone in her her ideals and what she wants for Ferex, that she's just willing to believe that if she opens this tunnel, the rebels will come. Mm. I'm kind of there, like, maybe Marva is sick. You know, like, maybe she's got some kind of illness. That's why she didn't go with Cassian, you know, in the in the previous episode, because she's kind of keeping something from him. Maybe it's an illness. And Bix comments on the fact that, oh, you're, you're really cold. And now I'm kind of worried. I'm like, why? Oh, I don't like where this is going. I think. Yeah, I, I mean, I made peace with the fact that her that she's not going to make it to the end, the end of the show. I, I don't even think she's going to make it to the end of the next episode. Um, um, I need that droid, her droid, to be protected at all costs. Though yes, I yeah. love that droid so much. Um, but again, I I'm not expecting anybody but Andor and Mon Mothma to survive the show. I'm Melshi, I suppose. Oh, I'm Elsie. Yeah, I'm Elsie. <laughs> I like more like the new characters. Mm-hmm. Like everyone, they're all up for the chopping block, which is. Yeah, yeah everyone's on the chopping block. Oh, and you, Lauren, obviously, is going to make it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, I can, I can absolutely see all the people who are siding with the Empire um, are going to get run over by the Empire that they helped put up. And I'm going to enjoy the hell out of it. But uh, <laughs> that's so that's my prediction um, for them, at least. And then I think that um, I, I think that we're going to see. Um, uh, so the, the tunnel that uh, Marva was opening up. Uh, I think that line was dropped in there as a nugget for us. And I think that's how Bix is ultimately going to be saved in the upcoming episode, right? Because, um, you know, I I think we, we, there is now a rebel, you know, presence on it. And Bix is the most likely person to help lead you back to to Cassian. Um, Especially if, you know, he loses his mom. Mm. And... Yeah, I can I can see Senta, you know, going in there and, and help him, helping helping uh, break him out. I don't know. Um, how do you guys feel about it? I I hope so. I but I don't know. I mean, this again, this show has gotten to such a dark place now. Anything is possible. I could see them almost breaking Bix out, and they go through the tunnel at the end of the and at the end of the tunnel, she actually gets shot by a stormtrooper. Oh yeah. Yeah, you know something terrible like like happen. at this point. At this point, the show is so dark and bleak. I am just expecting this to rip my heart open. I really hope they don't kill Bix. I hope that 
at least maybe they could do like a thing where she's just kind of tucked away nicely so they can maybe bring her back for like a comic or something or a book in the future kind of like Kira but, oh yeah I would love that yeah but like you said the show is so bleak at this point I don't even know if that's gonna happen but yeah, and, and I just keep thinking of the manifesto Nemec's manifesto which is yeah. still in the shower in that hotel the only way they get that back is if someone else who cares about Nemec rescues Cassian. Oh. So I feel like if Vel or, or possibly Cinta break Cassian out of prison, then maybe they'll go back and get the manifesto. But I feel like them showing us exactly where that is, nothing in this show is unintentional. Everything is very there for a reason. And I feel like there's so many little clues. Like, I'm still hung up on Skeen's tattoos. And what those meant for Cassian and possibly being why he was shot by Cassian when he was um, there's like there, there's a reason they showed us where that manifesto was mm-hmm. yeah. I think and, oh, sorry <laughs> no no you go ahead you go ahead um, I mean I completely honestly I completely forgot about the manifesto being there but obviously they they really did kind of set it up well I feel like they set it up as this really big thing that kind of turns Cassian's like changes his mind almost and is like I'm gonna fight with the rebellion so now now uh, Emily I'm like how the hell are they gonna get that back because that's that's on that the you know space Miami so like how are they space gonna Miami. <laughs> it was space Miami come on like, I'm just <laughs> flying over the ocean like that's just Florida <laughs> like, I get a Tampa vibe personally but it's it's space Florida yeah, yeah I, I think Cassian needs to stay away from beaches. I think that's the that's moral of the story. Yeah. Beaches just don't work out for him at all. He needs to go like to the mountains or the desert, not the beach. <laughs> <laughs> this show's yeah. just like Cassian getting traumatized on a beach, basically. <laughs> <laughs> a series of events. Mm. You know, uh, and so, so this, this time also brings us back to, you know, uh, no longer can rock with with Dedra. Um, the way, well, for, first of all, it was interesting because they talked about how now that the hotel has been taken over, that has negatively affected everyone's business. You yeah. know, the Empire just, yeah, we're gonna take this because it's because it's big. But like that was essential for the livelihood of this this community, um, and so I don't. I think that's interesting that speaks volumes about you know the about how the empire works in and of itself um but also we get the scene where they're bringing bix up and they asked you want to get him out of the room and you know dedra was like no i want her to see him and then she pretends like she wasn't supposed to see it and at that point i was like okay i hate you now right um yeah you're 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 the worst that that part that part hurt I think that's like the really interesting thing about um, Dedra's character because I know that the actress, I, I, apologies, I forget her name. I know that she talked about it, how because she's a woman, she has to talk like twice as loud and work twice as hard. And you'd think that her being oppressed under the system would stir her more to like help someone like Bix. But I think it's just that thing of like, you know, it. it's more, oh, I don't know how to word it. It's like a woman carrying out the oppression under that like same internalized system. impression yeah do you know what? yeah internalized yeah that's what that's what i'm looking for and it sucks that 
she's doing that to someone who could have, you know, someone like Bix, someone like her, or someone who could have been like her. And I think that is a really interesting thing. And yes, uh, Joker, that definitely made me hate her a lot more than I already did. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's the thing where like when as soon as you make it, you slam the door behind you so that you can point and laugh at the other people. And you're like, you were just here with us, you know, like, don't, you know, it's, it's just, but again, this, the show has, has layers, has, mm-hmm. has a lot of layers. Um, all right. So I think kind of the last thing that I wanted to, to bring up is um, have us all talk about is now we get to um, Luthen's storyline. And his his visit to uh, Saw, which you know, I know um, Stardust M has been doing Saw Guerrero watch, so mm-hmm. she's going to be very very happy. Um, so yeah, let's let's talk about you know what Luther was going through that conversation, and then also if you guys have uh, want to touch on um, on the relationship that we saw between Senta uh, and Vel. Because um, we saw yeah. them have a very interesting and, and deep conversation as well. Um, but yeah, well, what do you guys, uh, what jumps out of you with that one, those ones? Yeah, I mean, I, I do want to talk about Sentinel and Vale. I thought that conversation was so poignant because it kind of revealed that, you know, Vel's background is a little bit more of nobility, which um, I, I forgot who was it, who who said it, uh, but somebody s- suspected that she could be Luthen's daughter or relative somehow. Um, so that is, that was really, really interesting. But I also kind of wonder what it would be like to be in a relationship with a rebel when you're in the rebellion. Uh, one of them, Senta, is clearly far more serious about it than Vel is, which is interesting. And I, I unfortunately, that is another thing that's going to break my heart this show. Cause I feel like that dynamic is going to play out. Um, and, you know, Vel's probably going to be willing to throw everything away for Senta, but Senta's not. Yeah. Senta's going to fight, uh, do, go fight for the rebellion no matter what, and that's going to that's going to kill me. But I have to, I I I love the representation. I hope uh, hope we get some affectionate scenes between them just to have it on screen. But uh, yeah, I that's going to be another thing that's going to break my heart. Yeah, I think that like uh, it is a really. It is kind of funny to me though how there are still people questioning like, are they together? Are they in love? And it's yes, like they're together. Yeah, of course they are. Like immediately when they were introduced in the in the, I think it was episode four, I was like, are they? Are they? Yeah. And then, <laughs> they, and you then, know. <laughs> they, you know. And then um, it kind of became more obvious as it, as the episodes went on, and it is very hammered home in in episode eight that no, these two people are together, and this relationship is probably going to kill all of us. And break our hearts, which is really upsetting yeah. because I want I want more of it. You know, I think it is a really interesting dynamic, just in the sense that you know Vel is seems to be from a more pre- prestigious background, and Cinta clearly isn't. Um, based on the way I that mean, they interact, Vel cleaned up nicely uh, when she visited Coruscant. Yeah, I, yeah she did. Uh, I didn't I didn't recognize her at first. <laughs> yeah. She knew how to be on that planet. She knew what she needed to look like and how to act. And Which that's would apply planets. that she's lived there, mm. Mm-hmm. or at least like mm-hmm. the prestigious planet, like I don't know, like Naboo, or you know, even Chandrilla, maybe mm-hmm. things like that. Yeah, but that that conversation of like the cause will always come first, and you're like, that hurts. But I get it. 
and then now the, the question becomes, you know, uh, because because Val was very much loyal to her people, um, and you know was upset about what happened to the, the people that were part of her group. But Senta is so much more focused on the cause, and so when you're aligned, I'm sure nothing can stop them. But what happens when the cause and the people get separated? You know, and I think that's what we're, uh, you know, um, chilling on base and says Senta will kill Andor if she can. You know, Vel might give him a chance. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, one hundred percent. It's kind of giving me like Lost Stars vibes almost, and I'm like, please don't pull a Thane and Sienna on me, please. <laughs> like, not that like uh, Cinta would defect or anything, but just sort of that dynamic of like the the yeah. doomed lovers, if you will. Look through uh, my eyes. Um, <laughs> it could break my heart again. <laughs> Uh, which, by the way, we got a, a, a brief Thane sighting in uh, in the book uh, Princess and the Scoundrel. That yeah. made me That's so right. happy. I did, um, yeah. I still haven't read that one. It was good. I really mm. enjoyed it. I read it in like four days. <laughs> Dang. I'm still trying to get through Paths of Deceit, so. I, um, it's not published in the UK yet. I can't get it. Really? Oh my no, goodness. No, I, I thought it was like, oh yeah, October 3rd, like that's when it's coming out, right? Oh no, just America? Great, I have to wait a month. I think it's been published in like the 3rd of November. Oh, and you can't oh. even get it on Audible or anything like that? I prefer to read like okay, the, uh, fair. the physical. I ha They all look nice on my shelf, so. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I love that relationship. I hope we do get more, more from them. Don't don't give it to us just to take them away. <laughs> um, but but they might. Um, <laughs> they they will. <laughs> but but then we get the we get the, what's going on with Luthen and his conversation with Saw, which um, I think Forrest Whitaker gave uh, a powerhouse performance. In you know, Saw's is not quite crazy yet. Uh, <laughs> He's a little, he's seen, but he's he's always been a little on the edge. He's always a little been a little. I, I I feel like he was absolutely unhinged in uh in Rogue One, oh, yeah. um, and parts of the book Rebel Rising, and here he, at least he's lucid at this point in time. <laughs> we'll, we'll like uh, maybe the death of his sister Steela, Steela dying. I think mm -hmm. that might have been the beginning of him, like his descent into madness. I think maybe. Yeah. I'm kind of like they're thinking, is Saw gonna get involved with the the proposition that Luthan brings to him? And is that how he gets all, you know, effed up in his body and stuff? Like he's got he's got all those tubes coming out of him in Rogue One. I'm like, how does he how does he end up like that? Are we gonna see that in, in yeah. Andor? I mean that's what I, I never even thought about so. that. Are we gonna see Borgolet? Oh god, I hope not. <laughs> I hate that guy. I, I, it's my sincere hope that it's we we see Borgullet, but in a weird, like kind of mundane way, where like they hop in a ship and Borgullet's piloting or something. Like, <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> like, ah, don't worry about that. Um, sometimes it like you know destroys people's brains. Sometimes it flies a ship. I don't know. It's fine. It's fine. Just just fly casual. <laughs> The fact that there's more than one boar, like there's m multiple of this creature out there that do this horrible thing. Yeah. So, like, even though boar dies on Jeddah, there's another one. Oh, there's got to be more. Yeah. There's well, there's one in Afro that's a different. Mm -hmm. 
Oh, really? I haven't, I haven't read the Afro comics yet, so I'm getting around to it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, if, if you're a fan of the representation, Afro is the place to get it. Yeah. Um, that's for sure. But uh, the, the way, though, that we see these people who are oh. also... I, <laughs> okay. <laughs> what do you got to say about this? What's your thoughts on Andrew? <laughs> I thought mine was going to be a problem tonight, but... <laughs> See, I keep thinking I want a cat, and then stuff like this happens whenever I'm recording stuff with people. <laughs> <laughs> they want in. They want. To, they want to play um. Yeah. Sometimes it, it's it's playtime for for the cat, and it's not that. That's not supposed to be that. So I have to let it eat my hand off screen, um, <laughs> and then it goes wild like that. Um. Anyhow, uh, maybe lose my thought a little bit. No, but um. Saw is also incensed uh, in in prison by his by his staunch stance on on his beliefs, and you know there's these other groups out there, and if they stood up together, they could do something. But no, not that that they're former separatists. So no, mm-hmm. um, and and this, you know, like there's different factions, and they're fighting the same fight, but they're doing it for different reasons. And the question is, can they overcome what separates them in order to fight the common goal? Uh, and it's it's just really, it's really interesting the way that the show has been framing, like how exactly does a rebellion form out of out of nothing? Because these people don't have a reason to trust each other. Is are they all fighting their own private wars? Mm-hmm. Um you know, what, what do you guys, uh, how do you guys feel about that? Well, I, I, I thought to myself when I was listening to this conversation, what is the trigger that gets most of these groups to work together? Obviously, Saw is still going to continue to be a outlier um, up to Rogue One. But it dawned on me that it's more, more most likely uh, we'll see a moment where Luthen sacrifices himself. And that inspires at least a large group of people, a lot of these groups to align and become the Rebel Alliance or what we know as the Rebel Alliance. Um, but man, Luthen, Luthen has a lot of work to do if he's even going to convince Saw to do to bend at all. Saw is completely uh, unrelenting and he will not compromise. And I love and I love that. And I agree with you, Choco. Like his uh, his performance was. It was Saw. It was classic Saw and still angry, still crazy, uh, still a train wreck. And I'm looking forward to seeing more. But yeah, Luthen's probably going to do something crazy that's going to get all these groups to finally join together. Yeah, I'm mm-hmm. thinking about um, in Rogue One, I always thought from what Mon Mothma said that there was a point where Saw had been aligned with the Rebellion and that they kicked him out or that he left. And I'm seeing from Andor, it's like he never would have joined them to start with. Like, it feels like Saw is just, he's never going to be a part of the larger rebellion. Mm-hmm. And that's why they send in Jin. Um, I didn't see this coming. I thought that Saw was actually going to be a part of the of an original group and then branch off. So that's mm-hmm. pretty interesting. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I'm thinking now, like, um, when Jin goes to Jeddah and she meets with Saw, he says he... You know, he says the line, um, did they send you here? Did they send you here to kill me? And I'm thinking now, based on what we've seen in the newest episode, like what happened 
between them is he does he say that in Rogue One because of something that happened with the rebellion, you know, sort of years before. And I think I think it will be interesting to see where they go with that. And maybe even the partisans can be like a sort of a sword for hire type thing. Maybe they just get involved in like a few missions, you know, get paid for it. And that's where the whole thing with Mon Mothma saying, uh, oh, they branched off and did their own thing. Right. I'm interested to see yeah. where they go with that. I, I feel like Saw's going to do something cr- crazy. crazy as yeah. as, as yeah. per norm, mm-hmm. but he's going to do something to also send the message. Him him and Luthen are talking about how what they need is for the Empire to become more oppressive. Because if the Empire was more oppressive, then more people would stand up or they would stand up faster, um, which is a scary thought. That's not untrue. Yeah, they're really speaking the same language. Yeah, and so I'm. I need to know what. They're, yeah, they're that on the same is. level with that. Just like. Yeah, um, and so I'm. I'm hoping that something like that happens, and um, they do something, you know, ab- absurd. We we know, Saw has. You know, blown up buildings with uh, with people in them. Um, yeah, not, not caring. Um, but they called they called him a terrorist in Rogue One, didn't they? Yes. So I'm uh, thinking it's going to be something horrible like that. Like it's going to be an act of terror that's going to be at a at a huge scale. Yeah. And I'm going to hate to see it, but I'm also going to be like, "That's mm, Saul being Saul. Go Saul," you know. And uh, I want them to. Shoot each other, Luthen and Saw. <gasps> Disagreement. Wow. They both reach an impasse. Neither one is movable. They both shoot each other, and Luthen doesn't make it. And that's why he has to have breathing apparatus and stuff like that. Wow. Um, over what his future action is going to be, but that action will create more impression which will then prompt more people to stand up that's what i'm predicting um but uh yeah i mean those those are overall my, my thoughts um you know if is there anything uh what are you guys predicting is is going to happen in the next episode so we know this is going to be this was part one of a three episode arc um and then after this is just going to be like a two a two-parter right um so what are we anticipating seeing? And, um, and as we're wrapping up here, um, why don't we go around again and, um, well, let, yeah, let's just see if, uh, what, what you guys' you know, final thoughts on the episode is. Uh, it was a really solid episode, in my opinion. I mean, all episodes with Andrew, I mean, it's been amazing. Like, I've been really, truly blown away by the quality of the show. And as someone who's been a Rogue One fan since they were 15, when it came out, you know, all those years ago, like someone who loves Cassie as a character so much, like I, I'm really, really happy that this is probably shaping up to be the best live action Star Wars show on Disney Plus. Um, I think with the next episode, I'm really interested to see what all that sign language stuff was about in the prison. Mm-hmm. I think that potentially the prisoners who are already there are maybe planning their own kind of rebellion within that, within the prison, because we know that. From the trailer as well, there's that shot of Cassian like jamming something into 
I don't know what it is. And it kind of like makes the power go down and stuff like that. And he's in that uniform. So I think that maybe they're going to be formulating their own kind of escape within the arc. And that's what this arc is going to build up to at the end. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I don't think a prison break is going to happen next episode. I think it's going to be all set up for the prison break. So I, I, I think it's going to be more of the same. Um, I think something, I think there's a good chance that something terrible is going to happen to Luthen and or Mon Mothma. Um, but yeah, I think that's going to be it for the next episode. Yeah. How about you, Emily? I mean, I've just been thinking about um, the the acting that Diego Luna has been doing and the way he's been expressing Cassian's signs of PTSD. Um, I have PTSD and the entire time he's in the prison from the time he's in intake, he looks like he's going to throw up or pass out and it just progresses more and more. And, you know, we saw a scene with him on Aldani where um, I think Gorn touches him or, or uh, Terraman touches him and he, his reaction to that is very much like a post-traumatic response. And I'm wondering if we're gonna get an inkling as to where that comes from in the next episode, because right now he's not adjusting to prison because it's something that he's accepted. He's adjusting because there's literally no other option. And that's where mm -hmm. we, we see him at the end of this episode. I think like to add on to that point, that was uh, that, that's, that shot of like a Cassian when they're kind of standing in that hallway and he's just got the most dead look on his face and the, and the audio as well the sound design it kind of like drowns out the other sound it sounds muffled like that that really uh hit me i think emotionally and is a re is a really big testament to diego luna's acting i'm really happy that he's getting his chance to sort of another chance to shine in the sun i think because he deserves it yeah. absolutely yeah awesome well, thank you guys so much. I, I know the, <laughs> the episode was a bit of a downer. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Chris, I wouldn't blame you if you waited until like two weeks so you could see this three-episode arc together. And then Yeah, I mean, the, the but, consequence of making podcasts and such is that there's like no way for me to avoid social media, right? So if I wait, then I'm going to get spoiled, and so I might as well just watch it. But that's kind of where I'm at. It's, just, it's tough. This weekly yeah. Disney, the weekly release schedule is brutal. Stop it. Just stop it. <laughs> Cut it out. So... Um, you know, what's funny though is, is I think I was, I was recently, you know, rewatching some episodes of Daredevil mm -hmm. and thinking to myself, what if this was released week to week, like modernly? And I think it would get a lot of hate because <laughs> there are episodes in the middle that are just kind of, you know, slog fest and, and, and don't, it's, it's, it's just, it's interesting how, how something is released affects deeply people's views of it but um so we can end this on a more positive note uh we're gonna go around and uh once again you can let us know who you are where we can find your awesome content um and end with with telling me you know what what is your favorite positive moment being part of the star wars fandom you know we're, we're gonna we're gonna end this on a high note hopefully we'll get some people in the chat sharing theirs as well um, and then, of course, if there's anything else we missed in the episode or if you guys have any events or things coming up that you want to plug, you know, feel free to do it now. But we will start. Yeah, I've got Chop coming in. He's. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, let's uh, start with Aaron. Uh, well, once again, you can find me uh, on TikTok at that space. Um, the O is an X and there's an underscore in the middle. Uh, you can also find me on Instagram at, at jin.andors. 
Um, and I think my most positive experience that I've had with Star Wars, honestly, is through discovering the online community through TikTok. Like, I think that this is the most active and involved I've been with Star Wars since I became a fan of it back in like late 20, 2015 after The Force Awakens came out. And just the amount of like amazing people that I've met, like my mutuals, like I know that me and uh, Choco have been mutuals for about a year now, I think. Um, mm -hmm. And like Danielle, Emily, Steph at, um, at Dark Side Divas. So many other amazing creators that I really feel like we all have kind of like an understanding and the spaces that we create, these safe spaces where we are all just positive and we respect everyone's opinions and everyone is welcome. Like the Star Wars fandom gets such a bad reputation, um, but not, I don't feel, I don't feel that as much anymore because everyone is just so nice. So <laughs> I would say like, well, most people are so nice, but I would say that like me being on Star Wars TikTok and like the little community that I've kind of carved out for myself on there is probably... You know, that's probably my happiest thing uh, got out of Star Wars, I think. And I'm excited for Star Wars Celebration next year because hopefully I will meet some of my mutuals there for the first time. That'll be that'd be really cool, I think. Yeah, absolutely. That'd be awesome. Uh, how about you, Emily? Uh, can you hear me? It looks like you might be freezing up a little bit. Uh-oh. I know Emily told me her Wi-Fi is uh, spotty, but um, we made it the whole episode. So if, if this is where if this is where they cut out, you know, it wouldn't be the worst place. Uh, Emily, can you hear me? All right. Well, we'll go to Chris. <laughs> All right. Um, uh, you can find me. I have three podcasts, Dark Side Divas, Marvelous Divas, and for Light and Dice, uh, uh, definitely check them out if you haven't checked them out already. Uh, also, I have a Patreon for uh, the first two podcasts, patreon.com forward slash uh, Divas Podcast. For five bucks a month, we have a really great community of people. Uh, Emily's one of them. She's totally awesome. And it's that is my favorite thing that um, I have I've been a part of. I'm going to second Aaron's uh, statement. Um, uh, there's a lot of There are a lot of toxic Star Wars fans, if you can believe it. But having met you all and hanging out with you all has been amazing. I've made so many friends through the community, and I I love that. And it's never been a better there has never been a better time to be a Star Wars fan or a geek in general. It's just what an, what an age we live in. I love it. Yeah, age of a geek. Um, and uh, and I'm what. I, I apologize because I, I, I can't remember if it was explained at the beginning. Your third podcast, um, what is the, uh, what is it uh, about? Yeah, it's a tabletop role-playing game podcast. So we do, we merge kind of like the radio play aspects where we have background music and such, but it's a group of, uh, if you like D&D &D and Critical Role and that kind of stuff, it's along those veins where it's a group of players telling a story together. It's set in the High Republic era of Star Wars. Uh, so we... I have a lot of reference, deep references to the certain aspects of that, but in general, it's a. I would classify it as a comedy podcast because it's pretty. Nice. It's been pretty funny so far. Uh, definitely, we'll have to check that out. We actually did one here on this channel where uh, I was set in the High Republic as as well, um, and so yeah, that's those those bots are here. And then also, I know um, as part of the Pink Milk community, they're doing one as well. Is that? Um, yeah, so 
always fun. I'm working on another one myself, but more information on that will come. Um, last but certainly not least, Emily, where can we find you? And uh, it's been your most positive. Um, hey, uh, sorry, I, I glitched out there for a minute. Yeah, no worries. Um, honestly, uh, the TikTok community has just been absolutely amazing. Um, I'm 40 years old, so joining TikTok was kind of weird for me. Um, but it's just been really wonderful to be on this part of TikTok and, and in the Star Wars community as a woman in fandom and be welcomed. Um, I got into Star Wars in 2020, so I'm actually pretty new in the space in general. And um, I don't think I could have picked a better time to come into the fandom, honestly. Definitely, yeah. I mean, like, the fandom, honestly, was kind of in a very dark place. I want to say from, like, 2017 to maybe, like, the late 2010s. I don't know what, well, we all know what happened, but, like, it, it wasn't a fun place to be, and I was kind of out of it for, like, a year, mm-hmm. a year and a half, sort of, like, 20, I want to say, like, 2019, mid, you know, to, like, late 2020, sort of when The Mandalorian Season 2 came back, and it was Star Wars TikTok that kind of brought me back into that, and, you know, so... Yeah, you is a really great time to be in Star Wars fandom. I'm glad you're in it now and not, you know, mid 2018 when it was just honestly awful. <laughs> well, I mean, those dark times are why I make content. Yeah. Um, I kept mm-hmm. hearing these weird conversations. And as someone that was deep in books and deep in the lore, and, and I'm like, hearing all this weird, I'm like, ah. Listen, if you're going to be mean, don't be wrong as well. Um, so let's, let's that's the starting point. Let's correct a lot of these misconceptions and then move on from there. Um, but yeah, that's that's why I that's why I started. Um, but yeah, we I have um Dan and Forrest saying best memories uh victory celebration at um celebration Anaheim with all my found family. Awesome. Uh chilling in the basement. Uh, was found Star Wars Theory and then Josh and then uh, through them me, which is awesome. I appreciate you chilling. Um, uh, Polk, who's one of the uh, OGs, was like, I do get shocked when in real life people are much more negative than here. Um, but it's cool because this is, you know, in your real life, uh, you are around people mostly based off of proximity, you know? Um, here, this is all based off of shared interests, shared life experiences, or not even shared life experience, but willingness to experience each other's lives through each other's eyes. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, it's been a wonderful thing, you know. So I want to thank you guys for coming on here. I would love to have each and every one of you guys back on in the future for other things. Um, so yeah, if there's anything in particular you guys want to talk about, let me know. Uh, I want to thank everyone in the chat here, St. Pat, Polk Nation, uh, Chill in the Basement, um, Diet in the Force, Nemu, Ikafik. I don't know how to say that. Um, <laughs> uh, Tim's Talk, Darth Man 86. Uh, it's always a bunch of awesome people, so I really appreciate it. That's why I love making content. Um, so we'll wrap up here, but I do know that uh, our friends over at Pink Milk moved their podcast to Wednesday, so they are live right now if you want to continue to hear people talk about Star Wars after this. Um, but yeah, that is all for now. Thank you everyone for joining me, and may Thank the Force you, be with you always. Thank you all so much.